Welcome to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. This is a topical podcast where the topics are chosen at random. Sometimes they will be profound, and sometimes they will be stupid. But no matter what, we have a lot to say about them. We are known for the things we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are the things we say. Welcome back to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. And we've caught Nate at a very raw time. <laughs> Actually, not his, that raw. Yeah. Not that I, raw. I expected him to be crying and blubbering no, no, and no, no, no. uncontrollably controllably right now with the rest of Cleveland. No, no, no. But he's not. No, I'm not. Um, so my, I'm going to kick right off with that. My things I do not understand, since we are fresh on it, I do not understand LeBron James going to the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, in in this free agency, um, I don't begrudge him leaving Cleveland. I think that's fine. He came back. We got a championship. I'm great with that. I got no got no ill ill feelings like I did in 2010 when he left. But of all the franchises you could possibly go to, in pretty much all of the NBA right now, LA is one of the biggest current dumpster fires that exists between the Ball family and. The fact that it's a bunch of young guns with, I mean, it just, it makes no sense. And I know people will give me the argument that, oh, it's LA. Well, yeah, but he's LeBron freaking James. It doesn't matter where he is. He can do whatever he wants from wherever he is. He could move to Canada and still get as much exposure as he wanted. Toronto would have loved that. Yeah, I'm sure they would have. Um, but I, I legitimately don't understand this move. Um, I, I would have been less surprised to see him go anywhere else in the NBA than LA, even though media was pushing it so hard. So yeah, that's my things I don't understand. I don't, I, I don't understand the allure of LA at all. Like no. I don't, I don't really get it. I know he had connections out yeah, there, and but he's had connections everywhere. everywhere. In the NBA. Yeah. Again, he's LeBron James. I, I'll, I'll never understand LeBron's tendency of, of franchise hopping. And again, I know this is only his third franchise he's played for, but it's it's been at the third franchise he's chosen to play for. Yeah. Um. You you never saw that with any of the other greats. Um. And again, it's a different era. I mean, things are very very different. But I, I don't I don't understand that. But I mean, there's still held the whole franchise hostage. Hostage. And and, and that by is signing short term deals and trying to leverage everything and, for maximum. And everybody and everybody's gain. trying to has tried to blame Dan Gilbert for all of this, going back to the letter and all that. And let me just say this. When that letter came out in 2010, everybody in Cleveland cheered for it. That's because true. that is exactly how we all felt. Like every single one of us to a man felt that way. Well, except for my friend Bailey, who's more of a LeBron James fan than he is a Cavs fan. And so he was excited to see uh, you know, those three guys play in Miami. But regardless of that, he was like the one guy in Ohio that was thrilled about that. But... Then all of a sudden the narrative flipped and, oh, it's Dan Gilbert's fault. Well, then he comes here. Dan Gilbert spent a freaking ton of money over the last, yep. you know, four years. You know, Bought put a, put a team. But the reality of it is that, no, oh, I need to quit saying that. I know I'm working on it. But <laughs> but he did. LeBron held the team hostage the whole time he was here. He signed, signed one-and-done deals except for right after they won a championship, he, he signed a three-year deal with a, with a player option in that third year. Um, but – I I got really frustrated with that because I'm like, who's going to come play with LeBron in Cleveland when he's not here long term, and you don't know if he's here long term. So basically, this has been a long a long game of 
Dan Gilbert and LeBron James playing chicken with one another, and it just finally ended. I mean, it was it was going to have to end at some yeah. point. And I think Cavs I feel, fans, yeah, you you feel a sense of relief is what I do. you told me, but I do. I, I do think that once all the mourning is over, I think Cavs fans by and large are going to breathe easier. Yes, they're going it, the yeah. stress. There was two things I never wanted to hear again on Cleveland Sports Radio, <laughs> and that is, what is LeBron doing at this very moment? <clears throat> you know, And that was the entire time. Oh, it yeah. was LeBron-specific insiders, and they would bring them on. And, All the time. And, and it was like, come on, people. They're, that and who is going to be quarterbacking the Cleveland Browns? Yeah. I don't care please <laughs> shut up well and, and like you will enjoy sports so much more when it's not about that one person and i think browns fans would enjoy sports that much more if they didn't place all their hopes and dreams on the quarterback like this guy is going to save us no putting together a solid right, team right. a great defense a great offensive right. line a good head coach that's going right. to save you. I will say the only, the only thing the only thing that saddens me about this, and you mentioned it earlier, is that is that Kyrie left before this happened, because I think we could have kept Kyrie long term. Yeah, had had that, but again, it's it's LeBron making his own bed. He, you know, if nothing else, he's got a lot of drama attached to him. It's just the reality of it. But I know for me, the biggest thing with LeBron is like you just had this sense of ownership with him because he's literally one of us. Like that doesn't happen. When does so your hometown felt dude a sense of ownership with LeBron? But what you have to realize is he owned you without a doubt. He owned the without entire a doubt. city. He owned the city. He I owned the stadium. How fast that no, banner no comes down. That's no why doubt. when I was but, in Cleveland this week, but I'm I took saying, a picture of the banner. What I'm saying I'm is like, that it's coming right. Down. But what I'm saying is this: say, say things go differently. Say in in 2000, what was it? 2003. Mm-hmm. That he was drafted in, yeah. 2003, he gets drafted by another team, any other team. Yeah. I would love him because he was from here. Like, he would have been my dude. I would have still rooted for the Cavs, but, like, yeah. hometown boy, all about that. That would have been awesome. But because he came to the Cavs and you had that seven-year stretch and then he chose to leave, like, that was unbelievably heartrending because it's yeah. like – Every, I mean, every kid wants to play for their hometown franchise. Everybody. Like, that's just the reality of it. And that's everybody's dream. And you see the best player in the world choosing, or not choosing to do that, but doing that, and then choosing to leave. Like, that was heartbreaking. Yeah. That really was. This doesn't feel heartbreaking. This just feels dumb. Like, I don't get it. And again, not because he's leaving the Cavs, but why in the world would you go to the Lakers? Why would you go to the West in the first place without going someplace where there's already something going on? Uh, but the Lakers. Hey, I'm happy. Things. As a Sixers fan. Yeah. I see ya. Yeah. Path but you, is a little clearer. But you can't. You can't make more, it other than one Boston injury away from having which a is nice likely, clear plot. Which path. is likely. But let me say this. Say Kyrie and Tatum both I, like twist their ankles. I'm going, we're through. I'm going to make this. I'm going to say this, and this is a hot take. I'm, <laughs> I know that, but I'm going to say it. I believe that LeBron to LA, other than youth, is a lateral move from Cleveland. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Other than the fact that they have more money to spend than Cleveland, which, again, is LeBron's fault. Yep. Because all of his dudes got ridiculous contracts that they didn't really need or deserve, and that's why we're stuck in the position we're in. So I'll be interested to see in three years, four years, if LeBron will remain a Laker <laughs> or if he will retire or if he will move on to someplace else with younger and greener pastures I as think well. this has to be it. More than likely, but, again, I mean... Dude's a machine. I mean, he's never had a significant injury in 15 years, and 
His body yeah. doesn't seem but to be slowing down. But he's not Tom down. Brady. He he's he can't he can't just run run around on the perimeter and no, nobody touch no, him. No, no, it's different. It is different. Yeah. But still, we'll see. But anyway, that's my things I don't understand. Don't understand the Lakers. Would have understood almost any other team in the league, but not the Lakers. Don't get it. Other than Magic Johnson's being there, but that that's I don't even think that's a thing really. But there it is. That's it. That's, that's my it. things I don't understand. So this week I want to remind you guys. Let's go back. Uh, this would have been November of last year when we discussed peace and non-resistance. We talked about um, different modes of thinking in Christendom that, that will take a pacifist route or a non-resistant route, and we discussed some of our experiences and background with that, um, my experiences, and, and Nate asked some questions, and we went back and forth a little bit. Um, but we never did come around and talk about like what we believe about yeah. defending yourself or defending your country or we uh, touched on guns it, but we didn't and really our, our delve philosophy into it. on guns in general or yeah. like self-defense and that kind of thing. And me and Nate are on pretty much the same page, but we came at this from different angles. I feel like our, our backgrounds are a little bit different in, mm-hmm. in this regard. And Neither of us have military backgrounds, so that would be a third way to no. really end up kind of where we are. Um, there's there's a lot of different ways to end up kind of in the mode of thinking that we are, but we wanted to discuss it a little bit because um, I'm not sure that everybody takes the same path to come right. up with their beliefs, and right. it'd be nice to hear, I, I think, and it might do something for you guys as you're listening. So Yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to start off with guns, and we're not going to get into gun control. Or we'll talk like one. Of, we'll talk hot, that at some hot point. Topic yeah. gun debate. We we'd like to do that, um, but we want to. I feel like that's a topic that needs to be better researched, so yeah. we don't do you yeah, guys. Yeah, you have dis- to have stats and all that. Disservice stuff to have of that just discussion. blabbering on and on and on. Yeah. This discussion is more about our philosophies on war and self-defense. So we know that it's our experience. It's our position. You may hold a different one. Right. That's fine. And that's fine. And I was just reading this totally off topic, but I was just reading in Proverbs tonight um, when Andrew was talking to the youth group about um, how if you, if you listen to criticism, you become wise. And if you don't listen to criticism, you actually lead yourself into folly. Yeah. And, and, that's one of the things, if our viewpoint is different than yours, think about why it's different yeah. and take it kind of as criticism and see what you do with it. And yeah. I would like to hear from you guys. If you think we're wrong, please criticize us. We'd, yeah. I'd, I'd like that. Um, we're secure enough in our opinions to take that. And another thing I was listening to this week, Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris uh, were talking to each other and it was set up as like a debate where they're supposed to debate each other and there's going to be a winner. And what they really did was challenged each other's yeah. viewpoints because they wanted to make each other better yeah. and said, I, here's a point that I think you're really weak on and I'll tell you why. And, and that, that they, they saw it as building each other up when the rest of the media would love to see them as like bring out the swords each other, yeah. and bring each other down. Yeah. And I do think overall in the U.S., we have a little bit of a problem with criticism because we have to run around and tell everybody they're special and criticism is, and is, always, is a bad thing. Right, and you always have to demonize the other side. It's not criticism, yeah. it's demonization. It's a totally different thing yeah. because criticism has an expectation that you're going to be better or get better based on what's being said to you, whereas yeah. demonization is just, no, you're just horrible, you're just evil, and here I know all of your motives based on this one thing that you're doing, which is Absolutely. Yeah, you're asinine. a bad pos- person because you believe this. Yes, or because <laughs> of your skin color, or because of your 
religion or because of your ethnic background. Like it's it's absolutely yeah. viewing any people as a monolith is the the epitome of ignorance. Yeah, without a doubt. And so just to kind of get it rolling, um, when we're talking about guns and self defense, I came from a background where we were non resistant. I was raised Mennonite, mm-hmm. raised pacifist, and I just I was getting to the point where to me it didn't make sense that as I was transitioning from a boy into a man that there was be, there would have been there were people that I was going to be responsible for mm-hmm. and I had to think through scenarios of where I am the responsible person in a situation in which something arises as a threat to the people that I'm responsible for I believe personally that everything I read in the scripture up to that point is that I'm to lay down my life for them and I'm to put myself in harm's way. And, and as I'm reading scripture, one of the, one of the things that I did, I was really struggling with this issue. And I sat down and read the new Testament beginning to end and jotted down anything that went along with this. I didn't go into the old Testament. Old Testament is very clear in God bringing justice on people that did wrong and usually by means of death. And so I'm like, okay, there's a pretty clear cut case in the old Testament, but that's not where the non-resistant case is made from. It's made from the new Testament most of the time. And so I went through the new Testament and I get to the story of, of Cornelius, the Mm. centurion. And it says that he was a God fearing man. Yeah. And it says that before Peter came yep. and before Peter baptized his entire household, before the big showing of repentance and hearing the gospel and all of that, he was a God-fearing man. He feared God and he got up on Monday morning and went to work for the Roman government doing whatever centurions do, putting down revolts, right. guarding you know whoever, and, and, and yet he was a God-fearing man. There was an experience that Peter had before he came to Cornelius' house that said, you are to go there and offer them the gospel. And not because Cornelius was a man of war, but because he was a Gentile. Yeah. And the big thing in this whole scenario was Cornelius is a Gentile, and so far we've just preached the gospel to Jews. Right. And so Peter brings the gospel to Cornelius and his whole house repents and the Holy Spirit comes. And Peter's like wild by this because they didn't expect that to happen. But at no point does Peter tell him you can't go into work on Monday. Right. Or put away your sword. Right. Which is what everybody is saying. And I'm like, right. time out. I've never heard this preached in my church. Why, why haven't I heard <laughs> the story of Cornelius and how great he was? Yeah. You know? And, and I'm like, because it doesn't fit the box. It doesn't, doesn't fit the box. And then as I was reading through the Gospels, the whole passage of where Jesus tells Peter to put away his sword, the reason, the whole reason Peter has a sword, Jesus, Jesus told, told him to, him to get, get one. one. Yeah. Jesus tells his disciples in the passage before, if you don't have, it's stuff is about to go down. If you don't have a sword, go buy one. Yeah. And they all kind of looked at each other like, what's he talking about? And yeah. they said, we have two swords. Is that enough? And he's like, yeah, that'll do. One was with Judas because Judas controlled the purse. The other was, of course, with Peter because it shows up in the garden. (laughs) And and so I'm like, okay. And then Jesus says, put away your sword. So we're not. So in my mind, that was like, okay, it's not okay to, it's not a problem to carry arms. It's not even a problem to carry arms for self-defense. Right. The problem is using arms to further the kingdom of God. Yes. Or defend the kingdom of God. Yes. Like the kingdom of God is not advanced by shooting people. Right. 
was something Constantine could have figured out right, a, little, right. a little earlier. A little earlier, yeah, would have been nice. <laughs> At any point would have been yes, nice. Yes, very true, very true. But that's, that's kind of two things that spurred my thinking in a new direction um, on, on the whole thing of self-defense. And I do see value in the non-resistant side of saying, I'm going to trust God even in the most crazy situation you can throw at right. me. I'm just going to place my faith and trust in God. And I believe, yes, that's true. Great for you. Awesome. Right. Do that. And if you want to take a vow of peace, that's fine. I struggle with the people that I'm right. required to protect. Well, and, and, and the reality of peace at any cost or peacefulness at any cost results in injustice. And, and because God, more than anything else, is a God of justice, I cannot reconcile yeah. slaughter of innocence with the God of justice. So when I hear things like do not murder or when I hear those issues of, 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 of not, you know, of turning the other cheek with, again, that is specifically referring to a brother in Christ as well. We always get tangled up in that because we're so in the language of, well, everybody's God's child. Well, yes, but no, because when they're talking about the children of God in the New Testament, they're not talking about Jews or pagans or Gentiles. who Like they're talking about in the church. Like yeah. you, were, this is how within the family, this is how you are supposed to interact. But we, we throw all that out and we want to blanket it over the whole world, which is, is not how it worked and not what was being talked about. So, so again, I, I, I would not say that God is a God of violence. He, I don't think he, I wouldn't say he doesn't approve of violence, but I wouldn't say that violence is, is, is in his nature, but justice is. And there are times when justice requires violence. And I yeah. know that's a very, a lot of people, especially my, my more progressive friends, you have a hard time with the fact that those words just came out of my mouth, but it's just a reality. And, and it's demonstrated over and over again in scripture. Um, and even in the New Testament, you look at, you look at Ananias and Sapphira, that was, that was, that was, that was violence. I mean, that, that really was being struck dead is pretty much the epitome of violence. The, uh, the other one that jumps out to me is where Paul says that the king that you're to honor the king because the king yeah. does not bear the sword in vain yeah. and that he is God's agent of wrath to bring justice on the wrongdoer. The, the king is God's agent of wrath to bring justice on the wrongdoer and God has given him that capital punishment right Yes, in, in order to maintain order in a culture, in order to... Um, so, okay, that was another verse that kind of jumped out at me because... A lot of non-resistant and, and pacifist people would say that they wouldn't want to hold positions of government that would require the use of force. Right. So they couldn't be a police officer. They couldn't join the military. They probably wouldn't want to be president and be commander-in-chief of the armed forces. I don't think you forces. could literally be in any kind of governance, even city, city government, based on that. Yeah, well, I've, I've seen a lot of pacifists make allowance for being in city government. Yeah, but, but again, either either not, way, you're still doing something at the technical point of a gun. Yeah. Because when you declare a because law, of, you are saying, if you do not do this, we will come to your home and we will take and, you away and, and we will put you. you in another place. You know, we will, we will force your yeah. compliance. There's always force behind government. And where was I going? Okay, Sorry, yes. I, I, so... God's agent of wrath to bring justice on the wrongdoer. So a lot of times they would keep themselves out of the government thing. And even back two generations, Mennonites didn't vote, really. Yeah. 
because it was participating in government and they just didn't participate. Non-resistant, we're out, you know? And that's kind of like changed along the way as the pacifist arm of the community has been more, I don't know, got more radical or more political. But I would would venture the argument, though, that, and again, I'm sorry if this steps on your political toes, but I am of the opinion that pacifism cannot long survive and still have continued justice. And so you you start to have rights being trampled on. You start to have a a a vastly ungodly view of what government is, what its role is, and you start to see that take over. You can't just sit back and say, "Well, we're just going to ride this all the way to the pit of hell and see where we end up." Yeah. Like you, you and and that's the thing is is I have a, I have a hard time very rarely have I seen true pacifism completely walked out. Yeah, I've 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 seen it espoused Where you too won't well. Sue your neighbor in yes. court. Yes, you won't. And and um, and so it's it it seems to be very selectively applied. And again, you look at Jesus, and and he, I mean, he was an antagonistic personality. He's not the the, you know, neutral passive. You know, flowery person that, that we directly think ticked people off intentionally. So, yes. and and the more I have learned about the the New Testament, about the intertestament period, the more I have realized that he was intentionally antagonistic. He intentionally poked at the leadership of the day, called them out, called them corrupt, didn't care. Uh, you know, he he said things his that way would, of pruning the vine is what yes. he called it is like, there's certain things that need to be cut out. And right. so he would put his finger on and basically chop them off and say, right. yeah, you're on the other side of this. And that would make you a dead part of the vine. Right. You know? Right. And, and that's what I appreciate about Jesus's ministry. It was to give life to what was good, but he was pruning the vine of Israel right. and pruning right. the, the religious structure that was growing. There was good there and he was after that, but, and and yeah. his teaching was very in line with the Pharisees, actually. Yeah. They weren't that far off. No. But he was hardest on it them. It was the application that yeah, was the problem. Because, again, he said, do as they say, but don't do as they do. Exactly. They tell you to do the right things, yes, but don't do what they do. So going back to God's agent of wrath on the wrongdoer, when I read that verse, all of a sudden I was like, why can't a Christian be God's agent? Right. I'm confused. Or why shouldn't? So, so God has these agents of wrath that he will set up. But he designates them and he calls them, but he won't ever call a Christian to do right. No, 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 no. Yeah, that can't possibly be a real yeah. thing. If they're God's agent of wrath and he like sets up kings and, and tears them down, we know this. Yeah, he can raise up a Christian to be a king, to be someone in right. leadership that carries that sword, that carries that force. Right. I don't, well, I don't see and, any prohibition for right. that in scripture. I, I can't. I couldn't make the leap. It was well, just another and it was it's interesting in too because and again I think this is one of the things that, that with a more with more progressive Christians and, and let me be clear, when I use the word progressive, progressive or conservative or fundamentalist, 
and I and I put the word Christian on with it. I'm saying yes, I believe we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and that you follow oh, yeah. the same Jesus I do. It's not a label I put on to say, well, those who are basically outside the fold. No, I, you know, I believe there are some who would apply that label who are not truly saved. But by and large, I be, I feel that people within those there's groups, some fundamentalist Christians, without that a are, doubt, that claim that title that right. are not saved yes. either. So so don't don't misunderstand and think that I am somehow marginalizing or casting you aside because I don't feel that way. There are many things I would disagree with you on, but again, uh, as, as I once heard somebody said, you get out the bread and the wine, I will sit down with you and, and, and we'll still partake of that same yeah. sacrament together and, and we'll still have that unity. Um, but, but most of my, my progressive uh, Christians uh, that I've known, if they were ever to go into something, say like they were going to practice law, they automatically will go to, I'm going to be a defense attorney. Because there are all these people who are being unjustly prosecuted and gotcha. unjustly, you know, this, that, or the other. Rather than and a I want to defend them. But I knew of one guy who said, I want to be a prosecutor because I know there are situations that are going to deserve mercy that somebody who's just letter of the law is not going to give mercy on. Yeah. And I want to be able to be there and look somebody in the eye and say, and, and even using the leading of the Holy Spirit to say, this person does not need this. They need this. And, and look at it as a redemptive thing. And, and most people can't understand that that kind of aggression can lead to prosperity for the one that is, is I don't know, being, being not the word accosted, but something to that effect. The one that place is, I really want some pacifists is in Congress. Yes. And maybe even in the yes. presidency. I think it would be yes. great. I, Although and, Richard Nixon was a Quaker. We've talked about that before. Yeah. <laughs> and well, that did not and, go well. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I, I, that is one thing that I really wish had a more pacifist slant would be our Congress and be our presidency and saying, and weird as it sounds, Trump has been weirdly pacifist. Everybody thought that he's just going to go in there and launch all the nuclear right. warheads right, right away. And so far, we've like had these different meetings with North Korea, and like first time that yeah. we've had peace talks with a lot of these people, he hasn't bombed one more country than what Obama was previously bombing. There hasn't been any of that. Obama was doing way more bombing, and Hillary would have definitely done more yeah. bombing than Trump this, did. This and, is a, and so for me, I'm like, I, I wish that we had more pacifist leadership in our rush to war, yeah. and that it was more carefully thought out, and that we followed the constitutional construct, which is Congress declares war. There has to be a momentum right. behind the rush to war that would carry, you know, enough of the Congress to pass a right. resolution of war, and then that momentum would lead us into war. Right. We, we do what the military is designed to do, kill things, break things, and then get the heck out well, and that's, when, it, when we win. That's one, of the, that's one of the things that so horrified me, even though at the time, you know, swept up in the nationality of it and all that was going on, I agreed with it, looking at the, the declaration of a war on terror. Yeah, I didn't like that. That at all. was so it was arbitrary. Ambiguous. Yeah, and 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 there was no specifics and no end game and no because the idea of oh we're going to stamp out terrorism. Well, no, you're not. You're never going to. It's always going to come from some source, whether it's Islam or whether it's you know ex extremists of any religion. It's it's just going to be a thing. What they should have done was come to the American people and made a case as to who we're going to attack. Yes, and and make a case. And if you're convincing enough, we have no problem calling our congressman and saying, hey, 
let's go get these guys that blew up New York City. Yeah. Like it's time. Yeah. You know, we're it's it's go time. Right. You've now identified these people. We're gonna bring, you know, <laughs> heel to butt and we're gonna yeah. go. You know, we're yeah. just gonna kick someone. Yeah, but and, that that disturbed me a lot, even as, as a younger tell kid. Us who, but pointing at Iraq was obviously pretty stupid. Nobody in Iraq came right to right. hit us in 9-11. Right, without a doubt. Like, you could have made a better case for Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and really should have. But again, that, that complicates all kinds of other... Yeah, I'm not even going to get into that. That's going to get me all sounded conspiracy theory-ish, and I don't want to do that right now. Yeah. I'll leave that alone. I had a problem with the Patriot Act. I had a problem with the, the creation of the Homeland Security... Security. Yeah. Uh, cabinet position. Yep. I thought that was awful. And an agency, an entire agency. Yep. And I had a, I had a problem because this is my philosophy on justice. If, if you can say that this person is about to do harm to someone I'm called to protect, then bring maximum force and bring justice and bring defense to the person that's either about to do harm, is doing harm, or has done the harm in a in a corrective way. Like, yeah. there has to be, and justice requires a judgment call, but it needs to be very clear. So we've discussed this about our own house. Like, if everything is locked, I'm not expecting anyone to come over, and somebody's trying to break down the door, all the signs are very clear that this... This is pretty clear, and yeah. I'm going to bring maximum force in response. You're bringing maximum force to try and get in. I'm bringing maximum force to protect what's in here. Yeah. You know, if if you come in while I'm gone and take all my stuff, hey, that's what homeowners yeah. insurance is for. Yeah, no big you know, deal. That's replaceable. Stuff happens. I'm going to be mad, but I'm not going to hunt you down and shoot you. Like, right. that wouldn't be justice. Right. So, so justice always requires a judgment call, but justice... And the American founders knew this. It has to be quick. It can't be delayed. Right. It can't be prolonged. And it has to affect directly the people that it, that was responsible for it. That's yeah. why you have a right to a quick and speedy trial. Right. You, you are not going to have your whole life upended because somebody accused you of something. We're going to find out. We're going to find out quick. And that's the only rational use I can see for the, the FBI, CIA, NSA is to help them make that quick decision. I would have those departments down way down. Yes. Like yeah. just the meanest, baddest guys that can quickly find out what's going on. And then we send the other mean yes. bad guys to yes. kick tail. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> so agreed. But, um, so, so dovetailing off of that, I, I, I am interested to kind of talk about, our, our relationship to firearms, because as okay. we've talked about before, you and I are both big gun guys. Yes. We, we like them. We shoot them. We own them. I we... don't have enough money to <laughs> shoot them enough. Yes. Like, ammo gets expensive. Yes. Although 9mm stays pretty... It's kind of like diesel. It kind of stays consistent. <laughs> <laughs> if I could, I would, you know... Dump yes. tons of ammo into the wood pile every day. Yeah. Like, that would, yeah. that would be enjoyable. And you've got a one-up on me, because you can at least shoot somewhere. Yeah, I I don't have. I can that. shoot handguns in my backyard, yeah. but not rifles. I have to go somewhere else to do that, unfortunately, because I live in town. But but let's talk about that a little bit. Tell me a little bit about how your background is with that, like what your background is with firearms, how you got introduced them, when you got introduced them, where your love of them comes from. That kind so of thing. growing up in 
a non-resistant household, we always had guns, but they were always for the purpose of hunting. Yes. My mom, when even at play, like even when me and my brothers were playing, we were not allowed to shoot each other. We could only shoot at animals. Or if you were shooting at your brother, he at least had to be pretending to be an animal. Yeah. Then it was okay. Yeah. There, like there was weird lines. There. Yeah. <laughs> but, I see that. But the whole thing was like dad always went deer hunting. There was always guns and ammo in the house. We knew definitely not to touch them. Yeah. And until I remember the day that dad took me to the hunter safety course, we went through the course first, then he took me out and did some firearms training. And I think my first one was with a shotgun because we went either pheasant hunting or rabbit hunting or something like that. So he showed me the shotgun and then we moved to rifles and he had me on like a 243 lower caliber and then moved up eventually 306. And so, and then when I graduated, I got a 306, which was pointless because I moved to Ohio and (laughs) we can't shoot deer with rifles in Ohio. Well, you can't just not with a bottleneck cartridge. It has to be a... It has to be a straight wall cartridge. Yeah, which is, eh. Eh, I don't, I'm not wild about it. Yeah. But anyway, so I, I was always around guns. I knew that guns existed. I, it was basically like power tools. Yeah. To me, a gun was like a power tool. I never thought of it as weird yeah. that we had guns. I never, all my friends had guns. Our schools, public schools and private schools would shut down the first day of hunting season. Right. We would shut down for two things. Hunting season and the first day of the Pennsylvania State Farm Show. <laughs> Those two things shut down all the schools and yeah. we would go. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why the farm show, but anyway, yeah. it, was, it was a farming region and that's yeah. the way it was. But everybody would go hunting and I grew up, I guess you could say it was a gun culture, but it wasn't. So when I you would said put, these I liberal hunting, researchers. Yeah, I would put hunting culture and gun culture. They're kind of, they, they intermingle. But yeah. they're they're definitely separate they're two entities. Two separate things. Yeah. And and uh, when you send these like liberal researchers out into like gun shows and stuff, they get all mixed up about this. And they're <sighs> in both worlds, but they don't understand either one. Right. I knew very clearly that I was in a hunting culture, and I never thought of keeping a gun for self defense. Although, in the back of my mind, like, hey, somebody's here trying to kidnap my sister. I will probably go get a gun. Yes. Like. I didn't think about it that way, but right. when we're sitting there at my church in, in like a Bible study and we're talking about that, okay, this was a weird time for me. So in high school, and th- this is when it started to crystallize, we're sitting there, we're having the discussion. We had been to some sort of peace thing, like with the conference or whatever. I don't even remember what, what that was, but then we were discussing it at Bible study and we were sitting in a circle and they're talking about, so if somebody came into your house to do harm to you or your siblings, what would, what would you do? And, or no, it was like, if you were, if you were the man in the house and somebody came in to like attack your wife, you know, what, what is the correct response from in that situation? And everybody's going around and to a man, like they're just saying, you know, I would, I would definitely be prayed up before that. And I'd be praying in the moment, asking God what to do. I'd maybe, you know, hit him in a way that wouldn't kill him, you know, do everything to the point of killing him. And everybody's saying all this stuff. And it got to me and I'm like, oh, I kill him. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm like, think about this. Like all these girls are sitting in this circle and you have all these guys that are saying, uh, yeah, I'd pretty much 
let leave it leave him to it. Do what I could, but in the end, it's in the hands of God. And I'm like, there's a reason I'm in this situation. Right. There's a reason I'm bigger, I'm stronger, and I have a gun in this. Like, yeah. And that was the other thing in the hypothetical. There was a gun in the house. And, like, do you use it? And everybody's like, yes, in a non-lethal way. Like, I'll shoot for lower body mass, all this stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, eh, that's really garbage. Like, yeah. I think I would shoot for center mass and try and move move this guy out of the way or like, at least across the room or whatever. Like, I'm taking yeah. a shotgun, pointing at the chest, and we're going to town. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I'm like, why wouldn't every woman in this room – want to be with me and not with all these guys. <laughs> like, that was the thought in my mind. Like, yeah. girls, you're sitting here. Who do you want to be with right now? Yeah. This guy's coming to attack you. Who do you want in your space? Yeah. And philosophy, religion aside, I feel like I just felt in the moment, like, this is irresponsible. Yes. And so I was not a part of gun culture or, like, caring for self-defense. And then I met Christians at, at work later when I was an adult, I'm married. I met Christians at work who saw it from a different angle. Yeah. They grew up in like either Baptist backgrounds or other backgrounds where it was definitely okay to defend yourself. And it was okay to have a flag in church. It was okay to sing God bless America in church. It was okay to pledge allegiance to the flag. It was okay to sing the national anthem while standing up and like all of this stuff, put your hand over your heart. And like, none of that was my experience. And so for them, it was okay. And then they began showing me a little bit about gun culture and what that, what that's like and that it's not weird. It's not. And so I'm like, Oh, okay. So you can have handguns and not just be thinking about killing people all right. the time. <laughs> right, right, without a doubt. That sounds weird. Without a but doubt. That's kind of how I came around yeah. to it. Yeah. Mine mine is is interesting in that we've talked about before, you know, I was always a very raised in a just war, you know, just just resistance uh, atmosphere, you know. Uh, you know, grew up in the eighties and nineties, you know, in the in the church. That was that was the approach. There was never any real talk of pacifism uh, you know, there was talk of, you know, how you treated fellow, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, but in terms of defending one's family, defending oneself, that was, that was never looked on as a taboo. Is there any war that they would have looked at and said this was an unjust war or as long as America was in it, we're pretty well good. No, they, they would have, they would have counted things as unjust war. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, maybe, maybe not again, going in the early eighties, early nineties, Probably not so much. They were probably all gung ho for you know Desert Storm and all that. But but as time went on, yes, um, and in our roots, very much so that way in Nazarene roots. However, my family we never owned firearms. My dad never owned a gun. I didn't. I didn't shoot a gun. Uh, never even was really? around an actual gun hardly at all. Uh, that was just not something. Now my dad grew up with him. He had uncles and cousins that farmed and that were out in the country and they. They would shoot, you know, in the summers and all that stuff. But my dad was never a hunter. We were not hunters. I've never, I've never to this day hunted in my really? life. Um, I've always wanted to, but it always falls at really horrible times of the year for me in terms of yeah. busyness. And so I've we just never. We gotta get you out I, small game hunting. I, I, I at know. Least. My my father in law is a big hunter, and he really wants me to go. But I just, I've not. 
the idea of sitting out in the freezing cold by myself oh, bad. is not appealing. No. I hate to be cold. I hate it. I hate it so much. And choosing to get up early, which is another thing that I hate, but I do because I have children. Um, there's just nothing to me that appeals about that <laughs> other than I love the idea of slapping meat on the table and be like, I killed this. Like there is a That's primal cool. part of me that I like that idea. Um, but have never hunted. Um, but I grew up very much, uh, my dad loves Westerns. I mean, loves Westerns. Yeah. That's probably his favorite genre of film and, 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 uh, and books and whatnot. Um, so we grew up with that, you know, cowboys, Indians, people. And it was so funny because, you know, my parents wouldn't let me watch Power Rangers growing up because of the violence, but I could watch, you know, a, a cowboy movie where people are literally getting blown away left and right. Uh, and, and, but again, that, that, that was never like an issue. It wasn't yeah. like it was damaging to me. I never understood that, but whatever. I still don't understand that. But, um, but we were definitely taught respect for guns because we were raised looking at Western culture. Okay. And Western culture definitely had, I mean, you had your whole, you know, the outlaw, the shootout in the street, you know, the, and the thing that made guns alluring. But there's always talk in, in any Western films, if you're around them long enough, or Western uh, writings that talk about respect for the firearm, you know, safety of the firearm, like all those things. So we were growing up, we were allowed to shoot at each other with, with toy guns. That was never <laughs> a thing. But, but it was always like... I would have gotten in trouble if I walked up to somebody just randomly and shot at them with a toy gun. Like, I, that my parents would not have been okay with that. But in the context, like, if we're playing cowboys and Indians or we're playing cops and robbers, like, well, yeah, that's what happens. You guys would shoot at each other. So, yeah, that's fine. You know, we'd, we'd get in the <laughs> living room at my, at my aunt and uncle's house at Thanksgiving and we'd have fast draw competitions to see who, and we'd have one of the other cousins judge and say who, who would have won that, you know, kind of thing. Bang, you're dead. Yeah. And so we did that all the time growing up. Um, but mostly we, we played together fighting invisible enemies because that was more fun because you could be strategizing yeah. and doing all that stuff. So we did more of that. Um, but then as I got a little older, you know, we got BB guns. My dad got us, you know, we got bow and arrows for target shooting and stuff. Yeah, so we had, had BB guns. We had some form of primitive weaponry, slingshots, you know, things like oh, that. Yeah. And, but we definitely knew, like you said, the difference between what was a toy and what was what could actually yeah. do harm. And we're taught a different level of respect for that and a different level of... Um, Even with your BB guns, you probably had some training. If yep. anybody yep. pointed the BB gun at something oh, they yeah, didn't we intend lost to shoot, very your, quickly. your head was Fought in very big quickly, trouble. Very, very quickly, <laughs> yes. But, um, but I always knew the minute I would be allowed, I was going to buy a gun. I just always knew that there was, there was, I've, I'm not the biggest guy in the world. I'm kind of a slight, you know, I'm not slight, <laughs> but I'm, I'm a shorter guy. You know, I know that I'm always been a smaller, smaller guy. And so I just always knew like that was something. And I've always liked, you know, martial arts. I was into that, you know, growing up too. So modes of defense always fascinated Weird. me. Weird. Power Rangers not allowed. Martial I know, arts I know. allowed. I, again, That's, again, it, okay. it is what it is. <laughs> but every, every view of that, whether it was martial arts, whatever, it was always the idea of defense. Yeah. Never the idea of aggression ever. And Correct. so I turned 18 and I'm driving my car and I hear that fin, feather and fur is having a, a sale on shotguns. And I was, I, I remember I was on my way to work early because I'm like, Oh, I'm going to do some stuff early. And I literally just drove instead to Finn 
bought a shotgun and and left and came back and came to work. So just literally went out and bought a so shotgun. Advertising on works. Yes, on the radio, on the radio. Um, and that started me into gun culture. And I will say legitimate gun culture, like shooting, not the shooting sports, but like shooting for defense, uh, the realities of carry, how to set up home defense, how to think tactically in the home. Um, but not like... I'm like G.I. Jane, you know, and yes, I said G.I. Jane because that is what I think of the overly tactical people, um, you know, crawling through the woods and doing all these, you know, maneuvers and whatever. I'm like, no, like in context of reality of what I'm actually going to ever have to deal with. Yeah. That's what I want to look at. Um, and I just became obsessed with it. And I did all kinds of research and videos and all this and just started slowly acquiring various firearms just. You know, and again, I don't shoot nearly as much as I'd like to because, like you said, it's expensive, but mostly I don't have space. I, I live in a very small neighborhood, and it is a very close neighborhood, literally, and uh, there's, you know, it's in town, so I cannot shoot unless I go elsewhere. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've done all the things. I mean, I've done concealed carry courses. I've, I've you know, if, if there's a firearm out there, I could probably tell you something about it. I pride myself on being able to identify firearms in films. Uh, by actual make and model, like nice. even the year that they are, if I That's can. That's pretty cool. Um, I, I just, I love, I love firearms. I think they're fascinating pieces of engineering. I love the history behind them. Um, I love that they're defensive tools um, and, and, and don't need to be aggressive tools. Um, they're, they, they fascinate me. What do you hear? You're looking I keep, like I keep thinking somebody's walking around upstairs. But it could be strong. <laughs> it could, it could be, be my son. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So I came to it literally from the opposite of you, where I I was not raised in a pacifistic home, but I was not really exposed to firearms. The first time I ever shot a gun, I was about eight or nine years old, and I was at a friend's house, and his dad took us out and let us shoot his uh, his uh, single shot twelve gauge uh, yep. at a at a old uh, Cool Whip container that he threw out in this little creek that was out back. And, uh, and I hit it little, little eight year old me with a, with a big old 12 gauge, but I hit it yep. uh, and was sore for like three days after that. But that yeah. was my first experience. And I was like, yes, this is something I, I want to do. I, uh, I remember probably the craziest thing I did. I was maybe 11 or 12, went to a friend's house who lived on a dairy farm and there are shotguns or a tool that you use. Mm -hmm. I mean, you use it to kill doves that will live in your barn. Right. So you go in there and you like somebody scares them out of the barn. Somebody stands in front of the door and blasts them away as they come out, which is super cool. And like blackbirds would come all over the fields and just descend on the fields in those big flocks. Yeah. And he's like, here, grab a shotgun. And so we jumped on the four wheeler. He's driving. I'm on the back. And he drives right into the blackbirds, and they fly up, and you just blam away. <laughs> and like, but it was illegal to kill red-winged blackbirds, but it's totally fine to kill blackbirds. So what we did was we blammed away, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm riding on the back at full speed just shooting blackbirds. <laughs> and, and then, like, he would take a turn. I'd drive, and he'd shoot. And then we'd go around after and pick up all the red-winged blackbirds, make sure they made it back to the barn for the cats. Yeah. And, and all the other ones we just left late because they were dead. Like, went around, made sure they were dead, and that was it. Yeah. Like, it was tons of fun, but I'm thinking back on that. I'm like, yeah, that's not, like, responsible in any way with <laughs> firearms, but it was super cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, there was, there's been a couple times. Oh, uh, the one deer I shot, uh, my, my dad and my brothers don't let me live this down because one of the things is, like, my brother is – a quintessential marksman. Like he will shoot a deer from like 250 yards. Yeah. My dad has shot a moose 
at 300 yards plus. Yeah. Like these are long distance shots. These are, and Dan, Dan, his was like firing and watching where the bullet dropped and then moving it up and yeah. like trying to hit this thing with a 300 wind mag. Super cool. Like that's awesome. That's not me. Yeah. Like I'm kind of known as a lazy hunter because I don't <laughs> like being cold. I don't like sitting out there all day. My dad will just go park himself in a tree stand and be there all day. Sun up to sundown. And that's it. I'm like, whew. Like, yeah. I did that for a long time, and I, I can't do it. No. Um, but one time, I was sitting up there in a tree, and there was this deer came by. It's in Ohio, so I have a shotgun. I fired at it, and when it stopped, I fired at it, and the bullet we saw later, it went under the deer, just like right under it, right where it should have been, like at chest level, but under Except the you deer. Missed. And it, like made a pee spot in the snow i scared it that badly and it took off it actually ran towards me because i was in a valley and it couldn't tell where the gunshot came from so it ran towards me well i didn't get my gun reloaded fast enough and finally i like put it down here by my waist and like you know finally got it to go it was a pump and i pulled it up and the deer is like right i don't know 25 yards from my stand and so I, it's running and i did the only thing i knew to do i like shot from the hip <laughs> i'm standing in my tree stand and i just like like this and my dad come and, and the deer runs down over a little hill and i'm like ah it's gone and dad's like gets me on the radio he's like hey What's all that shooting over there? I'm like, <laughs> uh, he's like, do you have one laying? I'm like, I don't know. I can't see it. I think it might have got away. He's like, okay, I'll come over and see. So like 10 minutes later, I see dad come crashing through his, see his little orange hat walking along. And he gets over close to my stand. He's like, it's over here. I'm like, what? <laughs> I walk over, blew the top of the heart right off from, from my hip. Like luckiest freaking shot in the world. <laughs> it's garbage but yeah i'm kind of a garbage hunter but i i've killed various deer yeah (laughs) but yeah Yeah. and then i got one the cheap way i I killed one at my father-in-law's farm called him on the cell phone he came out with the truck (laughs) and i didn't drag it at all he backed the truck right up to it we (laughs) threw it in the truck took it over his farm put it up on the forks of the skid steer to gut it out. I'm like, oh, this is easy. I love all of this. Oh, <laughs> and, and yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Then we threw it in the I've, truck and took it to the I've butchers. Always been, I've always been hour. very interested in, like, varmint hunting. Yeah. So, like, I've always wanted to do, like, groundhogs or coyotes or whatever like that. Like, oh, I've always thought that would, would be, be fun. fun. That's about the only purpose I can think of for my AR. Like, yeah. I, I bought an AR because I, I love the gun and and also because i wanted to get something that was powerful that jess could also shoot and yeah. feel comfortable with yeah which and let me let me be very clear for those of you out here who are listening to this <laughs> ar-15s are not a high-powered rifle it They're is powerful an, it is an e- intermediary cartridge at best it's a really low caliber it is a low caliber it is it is a high velocity it's it's a fast cartridge yeah but it is not. I have, I have two, a two, high count. Yeah. 223 is just point zero zero three bigger than a twenty two. Yes. <laughs> I, I own a high-powered rifle from World War II, a, a surplus rifle. It is a big old cartridge, and it makes big old booms, and it pushes way harder on your shoulder. Um, yeah, 300 AR-15s, wind mag. Yeah, AR-15s are not this scary all-father type round that are going to... Uh, 
two twenty three and five five six, it's not it's it's an efficient round, but it is not all scary and whatever you've heard it is. Yeah, and one of the things that I love about the AR, honestly, is that it empowers women. A lot of people yes. a lot of people miss this in the gun debate and they say, Well, you know, it's 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 too easy to get, it's too cheap, and, and I'm like it's neither what of those things. You need <laughs> what you need for a woman to defend herself by herself is first of all a handgun if if it's within her home, but an AR is really quick and easy for them because Jess doesn't want something with a lot of recoil. She right. doesn't want something that she has to manage the the recoil or even on a handgun. So I had to be very selective in what handgun I get for. Her. It has to it has a quick adjustable stock so that and and it's not to look cool. Yeah. The adjustable stock is a function so that I can be shooting it one day. She can grab it out of the closet the next, adjust it, it, and go and for go. it. Yeah. And also, she doesn't want to think about reloading, which is why I have a 30-round right. magazine. It's so that I don't have to... She doesn't have to think about reloading, changing mags, whatever. Yeah. Whatever... And she might encounter while I'm at work, she can handle right. with an AR. Right. Like, she is... As powerful as anything that would come her way, right? And or more so. Nobody's going to screw with her, right? And 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 let me and let me say this: I am a firm believer in the fact that in a in a gunfight or in a self defense situation, there should not be equal ground. No, I want to have more firepower than the guy coming at me. I want to have a greater capacity to defend myself than the guy or guys coming at me. I never want to be in a violent encounter. Never. But the times in which I would enter into a violent encounter is when the things that matter most are on the line. Yeah, and I want to have the upper hand. I need to win this fight. Yes. If I'm in it, I have to be in it to win it. Yes. I'm not not in it to get shot up. No. I'm not in it for... Because if I get shot up, I'm the last line of defense for my house. Right. And, you know, if Jess is home by herself, she's the last line of defense between my kids right. and the rest of the world. Right. So, yeah, I, I do think that the AR empowers women. I do think the fact that it's cheaper, it, it's, it's easy to understand, it's easy to get to, it, it's easy to train someone on. Yeah. All of these things are good. And as soon as people point at it as being bad, that it's too accessible, think about what you're saying. You're thinking, you're, as soon as you come at the accessibility of firearms, you're saying that they should be unaccessible, so only rich people should have them. Yeah, or law or, enforcement. Or they should be so, like, archaic that only men can handle them. Right. Or even begin right. to think about using them properly. And I'm like, this cannot be right. So, yeah, I have an AR, and yeah. mostly uh, to this point has been self-defense, but coyotes would be the one time in Ohio that I could use an AR. Yeah. And you could use spotlights, you could shoot them at night, and, yep. yeah, think about it. Nobody yes. wants coyotes around. No. You're good with no. me using an AR. My first rifle I ever bought was because there were there had been coyotes spotted in my parents' neighborhood, <laughs> and they live outside of city limits, yeah. so I was allowed to shoot there. And, and I had a, a five-year-old nephew at the time that was living at my, with my parents, and I'm like... A coyote will take the, and he was a small five years old. And yeah. I'm like, they will, if they'll, they'll come after him, they'll mm-hmm. carry him away. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm getting, I'm going out and getting a rifle. And I did the next day. I went out and got, as soon as I heard that they would, had been around, I'm like, okay, I'm, and I'm, I'm in not Ohio, with that. you can bait coyotes, you can shoot them with spotlights, you yeah. can shoot them from vehicles, yeah. and because all of that. they're that much of a menace to yeah. everything, literally everything. So, yeah, um, 
Did we kind of complete how we came around to that? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. Yeah. But yeah, and, and that's the other thing with the AR-15. It's much simpler to use than a handgun. Handguns oh, yeah. are not easy to shoot. They are, no. they are a very... Uh, it's, a, it's a practice skill that you have to have. You, you have to have proper technique. You have to have proper trigger control. Like, there's all kinds of things. With an AR, I mean, you're not going to just do like you see in a movie and just like... And spray and pray. Like, like, that's not a thing. They're an automatic weapon. No, they're they're semi-automatic. Semi yeah. and, and that's just Yeah, so that's like saying my minivan is a race car. Like, it's it's just not true. Yeah, it has can a you six, race with it? It has a six-cylinder yes. <laughs> engine. And it's... And it's the, like, I can describe all these things that make it sound all tactical and race car-y. But it ain't it ain't a, it ain't a race car. Yeah, it's it's semi-automatic, which just means she doesn't have to change position. Like she can look through the scope and keep pulling the trigger as many times as she wants to. And it shoot. will go bang every time it you will pull go bang the trigger. Every time, reliably. That's yes. what we want. Yes. And so for for her, like she has a revolver that has five shots. Yes. That, that one's nice and yeah. has nice recoil. It's set yeah. up for all of that. But which I will contest. Also, because a lot of people want to say, well, you should have a revolver, don't have semi-automatic handguns. I will contest that revolvers are the most dangerous form of, of weapon to have in the house. Because a revolver does not have a safety. It does yeah. not have a mode of, of locking down. It doesn't have a quick way to load. So you load the cylinder of a revolver. It is hot, and if a child comes and picks it up, they're more than likely going to be able to fire it. Yeah. Which I would almost bet money that almost every accidental shooting that happens like child to child or a parent of a child or a child of a parent, whatever it is, where, where a child's involved, I would, I would assume that the majority of those take place with revolvers yeah. because there is no safe mode by which to have them loaded and not have them in a dangerous uh, state. So uh, my favorite things about Thanksgiving are <laughs> food, family, Football and firearms. firearms. Those are the four. Yes. And and all of those things are all wrapped up in each other. To me, like they're not. You won't want to exchange any of them out because yep. Thanksgiving is when we sight in our guns for deer hunting and all of that. Like it's part of. Yeah. It's part of my experience. It's part of my culture. Um, and and I would say as an adult, I've come around to the idea of using them for self-defense. And I also now have a better appreciation for the military and better appreciation yeah. for the police force than I did growing up because it was always like, well, that's something that other people do, but we don't. And I'm like, why would I call the cops then or ask them to get involved in my situation? So I'm asking them to put their life at risk for me, but it's not okay yeah. for me to ever do that. Right. Like that, that way of thinking, like, well, why don't you just call the cops? So what? So that he can risk his life right. in a life or death situation right. and you don't have to? Boy, that's a position of privilege. Yeah. That, that really doubt. shows that's a true that you right have there. a privilege to make an argument. Yep. And and the fact is, like, there the reason you have the privilege to make all these arguments is because people fought yeah. for your right Are to make Are defending your ability to not do anything. And I wish... I do wish that our military was used to defend our freedoms when they were really at risk. Yeah. You know? And that we could say they are out there defending our freedoms and that it wouldn't ever be said of us that we're out there defending some sort of political mantra right. or presidential preference. Right. Or That's why I've never liked the idea. Economic interest. Yeah. And, and I've never liked the idea ooh. of defending our interests. Like that, yeah, I don't that's, like that. I don't like that language. I don't like it in principle. Like that is just problematic. It, it can't be about defending your interests. It has to be about Here, actually defending. Here's something I wish uh, that we would think about in war is the sovereignty of other nations. Yes. 
and whether or not we'd be comfortable with like say Germany having a military base here. Yeah. But yet, or, or and, and Canada I, but having I, a military but base here. You know, but Sheldon, there's this weird relationship that that the United States has because yes, we're in a nation, like we're in Germany and we have bases in Germany, but we send so much foreign aid to Germany. I mean, you any country in the world? There's not a country in the world that we aren't sending some kind of money to for one reason or another. And I don't understand. Well, I wish that. we weren't doing that. Yeah, but I don't understand that. It's and that's why I get all all bent out of shape with like the imperialistic, you know, rants that people go, on. oh, you know, America's an imperialistic society. I'm like, no, no. If we were imperialistic, we would be taking resources out of these places entirely and not putting anything back into them. Yeah, like that's what Great Britain did. That's I mean, they brought British knowledge and medical thing and all these things that were good for the people, but it was still conquest. Like you will yeah. now give us all the things. And we will give some of them back to you, and and there's a degree of that, I guess, to some to some extent. But it's not the same thing as as what you've seen in old school. You know what's crazy about way. my viewpoint on all of this? I'm really good with a evil superpower getting kind of big, and yeah. then kicking their butt. Yeah, like that might sound bad, but these little like microaggressions, like oh, the guy in Saudi in in Syria is using chemical weapons. Okay, and. Uh, I know from a humanitarian reason why that would bother us. But on the other hand, um, which American freedom is he exactly yeah. threatening? And, and uh, which, which American is he hurting? Right. And I understand that sounds really bad, but you know what? The president is not God's agent of wrath in Syria. No. Like, as soon as Syria comes in and tries like has a plan to attack America or he's going to use chemical weapons here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Say Israel calls us and says, you know what? We're totally defenseless. There's this big, bad regime in Syria. They're amassing troops on the border. They're going to come in tomorrow. Would you mind doing an airstrike? Heck yeah. Let's go. Let's, let's roll because yeah, you know, Hey, we're allies. I understand allies. I get it. Right. I don't understand bombing the Balkans. Yeah. I don't understand bombing Syria. I yeah. don't understand bombing Libya. You cannot defend Libya to no. me. No, no, you ever. Can't. That was, especially if you look at before and after, of and what the end result was. Terrible. Yeah. You know the rush to war in Korea, the rush to war in Vietnam. Like these were bad ideas. They, yeah. They just were. Yeah. And so, yeah. I, yeah, I guess my I'm, thing is I, I understand fighting Germany. Obviously, yeah. what they were doing was really wrong. They were intent on taking over the world. They had made a system of alliances that truly threatened the freedom, the freedom-loving world. Like, yeah. our freedoms were at risk. Look at man in the high castle. If Germany had won, this is what <laughs> we're experiencing. Like, yeah. They had plans. There were plans to, like, destroy Dominate the world. Us, and yeah. so did Russia. But I'm fine with a big Russian superpower. Like I'm fine with three big superpowers, Russia, China, and the U S say another one, like all of a sudden Brazil militarizes. They become nah. you know, whatever. They're too busy playing soccer. <laughs> Why can't we play soccer? Oh, <laughs> you don't want to go with me on that. Cause we're not going to agree Good on soccer. Grief. How many Americans do we need playing soccer every Sunday? The entire <laughs> North end of Worcester is full of soccer moms, soccer dads, soccer kids. If and, no one in America can play soccer. If I, I think there's got to be something political that's going on. If that's I like, can avoid it, no one in my house is going to play soccer. <laughs> I, I do not. I hate the game. I respect the athleticism of those who play it. Sure. 
I respect the complexity of the game yeah. and the strategy of the game. Yeah. I can't stand it. I yeah. just can't. Zero, zero, Any game that one, can nothing. end in a tie was not finished when you declared it a game. You did not finish your job if it can end in a tie. We're going to get more nasty grams from this than Yes, for but I don't thing. care. I just don't care. If it ends in a tie, it is not a game. It is not a competition. It is hanging out and running. That is all it is. Give me competition where there's a winner and a loser, and I will be okay with it no matter how silly I find much of it. I cannot get behind soccer. Again, I appreciate all those things about it, but I, I just can't. And yeah. I, I have, There's got to be a better tiebreaker than some yeah, of the things that we've my, seen. My brother-in-law is a phenomenal soccer player, played for a great team in high school. Like, And I would go, and I would support him, and I will support any of my children that choose to play soccer. I went to, to my brother's soccer games. But I, I, ugh, I told my brother to get a yellow card because he was always <laughs> a little too timid. And I'm like, yeah. go out there and make be sure you aggressive. get a yellow card. Yeah. But yeah, it just and, – and also, like – and this is petty. I know this is petty of me, but I do feel like there's this sense of invasion with soccer. I'm like, no, this is European. I don't want it. Like, we have created our own games here that are world-renowned and everybody loves. I don't want that. Well, the world-renowned. Well, basketball is. Baseball is. I mean, football, Baseball American and football, basketball yeah. have. But football is too expensive. It yes. really is a privilege yeah. of the rich. I would, I would agree like, with that. I would agree with that. Try and get somebody to play football for less than 300 bucks like right. you need a helmet you need right. pads it's yeah. just hockey's the same way uh, in, yeah. ter- in terms of organized but hockey when you get into like even poor most of the winter countries aren't that poor for some yeah i never thought about that but they're not that poor for all some scandinavian reason. countries yeah <laughs> Maybe there's all the kinds hockey. of there's all kinds of things we could get into with that too yeah but yeah i i i, I resent hockey or not, not not hockey i resent I hockey i resent Hockey is fun. But Hockey's today's Canada lot of, Day, so yeah. I'm allowed. Hockey's wow, a we lot are of off fun. topic. Oh, but that's okay. This is where we were going to go. Yeah. No, hockey's fun, though. I've been to a, a hockey game or two, and they're very fun to watch. Very oh, yeah. fast-paced, lots of action. If they ever take the fighting out of hockey, it'll There's kill no it. point. It's not possible. As much contact as there is in that sport, that was the thing. The first time I went to a pro hockey game, I realized there were several fights that broke out during it. And I realized, like, these guys aren't even mad at each other. This is just primal aggression, and they've been hit one too many times, and their instinct is to fight back. Yeah. Like, as soon as they got a little separation, it was like, oh, no, no, yeah, we're fine. Yeah, clear that clear that out of my head. Okay, fine, we're good. Yeah, and they just would had to playing. punch that guy. Yeah, he... <laughs> but, it, but it wasn't like, I need to punch that guy. It's like, I have to punch something right now. Like, I'm being attacked, and I have to punch things. Yeah. So it was very interesting to... To, to watch it from that perspective. Um, but yeah, yeah. So yeah. brawling and sports justice. That's, <sighs> that's what it's about. I miss it in basketball. Uh, I true. miss that. Aggra- it comes so I miss, close. I miss people hating each other in basketball. I know that sounds terrible and we're Christians and not supposed to, but like I miss the days when, when you had, you know, you had, people who couldn't stand Larry Bird and people Larry Bird couldn't stand and they would talk about it and they duke it out on the on I the mean, court. Honestly like, I miss those days. I loved I loved football back when like Dion was punching people in the helmet yeah. and like Terrell Owens running out and slamming the ball in the Dallas yeah. Star. Like all of that and then getting nailed by George Teague. Like those kinds of like extracurricular things were yeah. awesome. Well, like Andre played, Risen. It played and, to the tribalism. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Sports is tribalism at its most base. And we want our 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 heroes in sports to be aggressive for the 
for I, the jersey. I love like, that we they're want still them charging the mound in baseball. Yes. Like that yes. baseball, you would think is it's the, the most passive sport. sport. But when you like, can throw a ball at 100 miles per hour at somebody, somebody going to come and get you if you do it enough times. Like it's just it. going to happen. And what I love about baseball is you have all these guaranteed contracts for injury. So as soon as somebody gets injured, there is really like huge amounts of money on the line. Yeah. And yet all your expensive players are running to running the middle of the, the field, rushing the with field, whatever they got, and they're yeah. going to brawl. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's great. And your your team manager is right in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Being but I, tackled I, by I an miss, umpire. But I miss the days of, of animosity between players. I don't like that everybody always likes each other. Everybody's buddies off the court. Like, I miss the days when it's like, no, I'm not going to come work out with you. Like, you're my yeah. rival. You're the one I – and you still have that in college sports, which is, I think, why it's one of the few bastions of true com- competition uh, in in American culture currently. Uh, the NBA is the worst of it. Like, the NBA, everybody likes each other. It it, yeah. ugh, it makes – it annoys me. Yep. It really annoys me. Well, we've come full circle. We're back to the NBA. Americana. There but it is. I – you know – the Bible says, do justice, mm. love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Yeah. And I, I think what's missing a lot of times is the doing justice part. We do love mercy. I think everybody does. Yeah. At a certain point when mercy is required, people love to see it come in. Without a doubt. Um, and I think it's even good to see that applied to those that are our enemies and, yeah. and to see mercy happen when it needs to. Uh, but you do justice first. Yeah. And and um man, there are just some people that are straight evil in this world and they yeah. mean nothing but harm to other people. Yeah, and they've, they've given got to themselves over to that entirely. And um power under control is true courage. Yeah. When you have extreme power and you exercise it under control and specifically and bring it bring people to justice. I, I don't like the new term of justice that people are yeah. running around with. And Which saying, really means fairness. Fairness. And they've replaced the word justice with fairness. Justice carries the, the background of law and right yeah. and wrong, and you've crossed a line, and you need to be brought to justice. Which gets into my whole thing of truth, which we're going to talk about next week. We will talk about it. And, and the importance of truth over uh, feelings and or experience even yeah but yeah and i'll be thinking about that this yeah week, so. yeah we're gonna we're gonna have some talks but anyway this has been very random but i have enjoyed this yeah it's been a good thing it's yeah. been a good thing so uh yeah we'll be at it again next week uh i think so i'll be traveling from pennsylvania yeah. so, so hopefully I don't know we'll see if we will record sunday night we'll work like it out one way or the other but we'll find it out but uh and then the following week we'll have district camp meeting so i'm going to be gone all week so we're gonna have to figure something out so we may w- miss a week or two here coming up but we'll be sure to let you know if that's going to be the case yeah. one way or the other but again this has been the things we say thank you so much guys for listening to us and uh hit us up in comments you know like i said like sheldon said earlier anything you facebook uh, at the things we say podcast yeah. twitter, twitter uh i think it's what what is Twitter T T W? Ah, now I just messed up my own plug. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, find us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, we have an email address on and on our SoundCloud profile. You can find that through our Facebook as well. Um, I'm just pulling up the Twitter to make sure I get it so that it's on here. I can tell you're um, umming more so that you can yeah, kill it's some true. time. TTWS podcast. The things yes. we say podcast is TTWS yes. podcast. That's yeah, yeah. Uh, but either way. See you guys uh, hopefully next week. Yep. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. 
You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.